I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins, as long as it is yours to bear. By my life or death, I can protect you. I will. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. the face of us all, little one. If this is indeed the will of the council, then Gondor will see it done. Hey! Mr. Frodo's not going anywhere without me. No, indeed, it is hardly possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait! We're coming too! Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission, quest, thing. Well, that rules you out, Nick. Nine companions. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Welcome to the Pull Apart Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Parafita. And special <laughs> special guests. Back guess for another week. round. We've got I'm Bill, Heiser. the Meat Street Posse. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is I here am present. <laughs> <laughs> He's asleep somewhere. Joe. That's me. And Josh, do you want to say what our uh, second category is today? So we did Star Wars before, and now we are doing something just as long, albeit way less movies, um, Lord of the Rings. And this time we are doing our top five favorite moments from the movies, not from the books, although we'll see where that, that goes. So we've got five... Uh, varying degrees of Lord of the Rings nerds. I think we w- went around the the last time and gave our background with it. Do you guys want to do that again this time? Yeah, yeah. sure. Sounds good. All right, Bill, you want to start? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> my, I guess my first my first introduction to this whole world was um, I can't remember the the company or the production company that made it, but there was that seventies era. Uh, cartoon of the Hobbit. Have you guys seen that at all? I yes. Bits and pieces at your house, maybe. Yeah, it's you know the, it's super weird. Uh, I watched it again uh, as an adult, and it definitely does not hold up as as much as I really wanted it to. Um, but yeah, I just remember as a kid, whenever that was on television, I would be super excited about it. I loved it. The whole scene with Gollum and Bilbo in the in the caves with the riddles in the dark 
uh, was amazing. That was my favorite part. Um, my high school did a play of the Hobbit, which I lost my freaking mind about because <clears throat> that was the that was the only play I tried out for. Uh, didn't get it because I was just way too awesome for them. So I did oh, stage yeah. crew just to show them how cool I was, uh, and that was great. Did you but try then, out for Shellum? <laughs> yeah, I want. I really wanted to. I just you know I tried to you know impress them with my uh, you know scurrying around Spider-walking. skills and like yeah. Um, but yeah, so then uh, when the movies came out, Lord of the Rings, like I knew of it, but I never read the books and <clears throat> just absolutely loved the movies from from scene one, seeing it in the theaters and just being obsessed with it uh, since then. And now uh, it's it's taking on like a new level because my daughters are super into it right now. Um, and I when I told them that we were doing this again, the, the top 10, you know, top five list. I asked them what their top five moments were and I have their list here and I just love looking at oh. their list of like what their top five moments are uh, between the movies and the Hobbit. So it's super cool. So uh, are you just going to awesome... share that with us? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, t- I asked them if I could. And at first they, they, they told me no, but I was like, guys, come on, it's going to be cool to share your ideas with this. So they're, they're into it. And they, um, love like during this whole quarantine thing like playing outside it has been nothing but lord of the rings where elsie is pretending to be legolas and then alice uh alternates back and forth between which hobbit she's pretending to be which is super cool so i'm loving it on that nerd level right now (laughs) that's so cool nick what about you so i read the hobbit uh probably in fourth or fifth grade and it was but i mean before that i had read uh the chronicles of narnia and it was like okay that's my first like delving into like the fantasy genre as a kid in reading um so since i really liked that one of my teachers had suggested reading the hobbit is like a, i don't remember if it was like a summer reading or like it wasn't an assigned book it was like something extra and so normally with like the summer reading books and stuff, I didn't really remember any of that crap. I I, I got pretty good later in my career in, in school of not really reading the books, but like paying attention real well at the discussions in class. But The Hobbit, though, I, I started reading and it just it hooked me right away. It was like I was I was all in on The Hobbit. Um, unfortunately, to this day, I still have not read The Lord of the Rings. Even though I, I have them, I just <laughs> haven't read them. That being said, when the movies came out, that would have been um, during college. I remember distinctly remember going to opening nights to see each one of the movies. Um, just as, as soon as I saw the first one, it was like, I have to see the other two. It's like the... the like I still have like Bill and I went to I can which one was it Bill <laughs> we made the t-shirts it was Return of the King Return of the King with still a broccoli tree this, beard yeah this crappy <laughs> white t-shirt that I drawn a and I'm I am not an artist had drawn a tree with arms and legs and a face and a little word bubble that said I am tree beard on it and wore that to the to the opening, um, but yeah that's that's. I, I don't have as deep of a history with Lord of the Rings as I did with with Star Wars, but the the love is about the same. 
And then only to compound it even more, um, Bill used to do marathons of Lord of the Rings. I think we oh, did yeah. at least two. Yep. Um, and that is legitimately the last time I'd watched them until the rewatch I just did before taping this. So, yeah, that is my history with Lord of the Rings. So before we do the moments, like, what was it like doing the rewatch? Did you enjoy it? Did you notice anything that you didn't remember? So I I did the rewatch with with my wife, with Aaron, because um, she loves Lord of the Rings as well. But she also had not seen it in God knows how long. Um, and right away, I can't remember what scene in Fellowship it was, but she blurted out, the CGI just does not hold up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, you're uh, kind of right, which – these films are known for like how beautiful they were when they came out. And once she said, I I probably would have eventually noticed, but once she said that it's like the, the practical elements are still gorgeous. Some of the CGI is a little hokey, um, but it didn't detract from the film itself for me. What scene was that? Do you remember? Oh my gosh. Um, I, honestly, I don't. It was in Fellowship. It was like it was a throwaway scene. It was something early on, so it must have been something with the with the fireworks or something like that. I don't know. The one that stands out in my mind though was like later on, like when Legolas kind of like grabs hold of the horse and swings himself up onto, and it's like, oh, that looks really bad. But that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. The CGI of Peter Jackson eating a carrot in uh, in in uh, in the town was pretty bad. <laughs> Badass, you mean? <laughs> of course. All right, uh, Joe, what you got, man? Okay, so I did not read them growing up. I did not watch any kind of cartoons like Bill did. Um, so really, I think like most people on the podcast, my introduction was the movies. And like Nick said, we were in college. Keith Richter, shout out to Keith. I remember, I, I don't honestly remember seeing maybe any of them in the theater. I remember. We saw the third one in the theater. I don't think I was there, though. I remember getting the, like, deluxe edition, whatever that looked like, uh, the fellowship, like, the summer we graduated high school. Uh, unless I'm remembering that wrong. But I remember it was in our first dorm josh and watching it like all in one sitting by myself and um loving oh yeah it. yeah and then i don't really remember the next two i other than like as they came out other than watching them in keith's basement with us three so and keith <clears throat> loves lord of the rings and does the best golem impression ever and i was telling my wife today how anytime we would go over to keith's house and we were hu- hungry he would quote Gollum, his various <laughs> we must starve and things like that. What is it? It's, is it tasty? <laughs> it tries to choke us! We can't eat ceramic food! We must starve! Well, starve then! Good riddance. Oh, I love it. It does not care if we be hungry. It does not care if we should die. So anyway, 
that was my introduction to him. Um, but then after I got married, Josh and I read the books actually together. There is the obvious, like a lot of so-and-so begat so-and-so kind of almost Old Testament vibe, but not as much as you would think. You can kind of just skip through that. And the, the actual book is pretty dope. Yeah, so I'd say that's my introduction. Audio has the songs singing them, so that's pretty cool. So awesome. <laughs> yeah, so so mine's pretty similar. Um, I do remember seeing the third one in the theater because I thought it was never going to end. It's like three endings to that movie. Um, yeah, we read the books, loved the books. When I got married, my wife loves Lord of the Rings, and we have a tradition where we watch it every Christmas. We watch all three extended ones, not in one sitting, but just... We start uh, on Christmas morning, and then we just watch them through New Year's. So, yeah. So, I didn't rewatch them because we just watched them in December, but... We, we can get to, but since we're not really doing, like, ratings or we're just doing moments, I, I don't know when we would get to this. But I think the third one is far inferior to the first two. They're crazy. I agree. In, <laughs> in, inferior? Inferior. Oh, man. Really? But it's kind of, I kind of think that's fascinating to think or to, to hear what everybody's favorites are because I feel like they're so indicative of what your enjoyment of Lord of the Rings comes from. Yeah, um, true. If, if you're really into the battles, obviously the third one's the best and, yeah. and other things too. But it's funny, <laughs> like you said, if you're really into battles, the third one's the best. I was thinking if you're really into speeches, the third one is the best. <laughs> There's so many monologues in the third one. And once or, I realized that, I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> or if you're into orcs who have a helmet with a whole human skull bolted to the top of it, which is freaking sweet. The third <laughs> one's the best. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think if you like Lord of the Rings, you know, you should just like them all. But that's just me. I mean, I like them all. I like the third one. Let's... I like the third one a lot. It's I'm I'm with I'm with Joe though. I like one and two better. Yeah. But if I, I just... can draw the comparison to being a parent with children, we all know there's a favorite, right? <laughs> no, I don't comment. have a favorite. <laughs> I mean, I have a favorite cat, and they're basically kids, right? Right. It's just as hard, and some would say harder. How's a uh school been going for the cats in the quarantine they're good we're doing a lot of outdoor activities you know <laughs> charlie's just... legless every time Nora's <laughs> one of the hobbits depending on the day yeah gilly's just, just in the corner smoking pot I mean, I... all right you guys want to get well, started yeah i, I did well, one other quick thing jabber. no james you didn't go yet i didn't do my oh, history sorry. yet yeah i'm sorry james. oh how dare you, Josh? It's so okay. You know, just like I do every podcast, I woke up at three this morning. So, <laughs> oh my God. So I got introduced to The Hobbit really early in life. Uh, my dad loved the books. So he read me The Hobbit and I didn't remember, like, like, I don't remember a thing about the story from being a kid, but I remember him reading that to me when I was like four or five years old. Um, he <coughs> showed me the movie, the cartoon that Bill was talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that really early in life, saw that a handful of times. And then I kind of just like detached from the whole thing. I think getting into He-Man was sort of I was so passionate about that, that it just sort of replaced this like more cultured thing my dad was trying to <laughs> get me into. And then being in college, you know, around was it 2000, oh, or was it oh, 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 one, oh, two? Whatever it was when I'd the movies came out. 
So, yeah, yeah it's just being in college, I went out to see the first one with uh, some friends, really loved it. And then after that, you know, we went to movies all the time in college as it was. <laughs> Every year, just, okay, time to go see the next one, time to go see the next one. I saw one of them at midnight, too. I think I saw Return of the King at midnight. And again, I liked it. It was fun. But also, it was sort of that thing where I don't get as adrenaline pumped for Lord of the Rings as I do Star Wars. But they're still freaking awesome movies. And they're so good. And I'm so glad this kind of got me revisiting them because it was so much fun. All right. I don't think I knew that, James. So you had read it as a kid and stuff. That's cool. I've never I seen that cartoon all the way through. I kind of want to watch it now. Oh, it's 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 a little rough, but it's it is kind of entertaining. Like the songs, it's just it's it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, Fellowship was O one, Two Towers O two, Return of the King O three. Cool. And Return of the King won Best Picture, right? Yeah, it won a crapload of awards. Yeah. Yeah, because it's awesome. <laughs> that was a pity, a pity win. We didn't give you anything for the last two. Like, but we didn't get to see you when we should have. So here it is now. Exactly. We can go in the order we went in for the Star Wars one. And since I'm a nerd, I wrote it down as Josh, Joe, me, Nick, and then James. You want to do that again? I totally want to do that again, yeah. Let's do it. All right, Josh. My thing was, every time we do this group, we should just go in that order. Let's clarify. What movies are we doing for our top five list for the listener? Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Does anybody have anything from the Hobbit movies? Um, I I do not have anything from the Hobbit, but the... I thought we were including that in the list, so just leave it how it is. So, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, if you got them. Does you that got sound that right? Too? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There we go. Cool. I agree. Okay. Um, so, mine is um, the scene where Boromir dies. <laughs> nice. Um, I, Joseph and I were talking about it today, because, or maybe it was yesterday, because he was, you know, rewatching him and saying, like, you know, <laughs> Boromir is kind of a. I don't remember what were, but it was Tool or something probably more obscene. But And I'm like, yeah, just wait, because every time I watch it, I fall for it. Like, I think, oh, yeah, F Boromir, I don't care that he dies. And then by the time he does, I'm like, he's only human. Like, <laughs> he, was, he was just being tempted, you know, as as he met, Joseph mentioned earlier, the... Uh, comparisons to the bible there's a million of them for lord of the rings and you know boromir's obvious uh comparison is judas and uh i always felt like judas got kind of a bad rap because you know like i said he's only human and that's what i love about boromir and like a few of the characters like that that they're just showed as flawed just people you know um yeah and that scene, I feel like, is very well done. It's believable. There's a lot of time. I have, like, a pet peeve of when characters die in movies. I think I may have mentioned this on um, the Star Wars. But when they, like, sacrifice themselves and it doesn't make any sense, like, you could have just not sacrificed yourself. And this one, I feel like it does. Um, he was doing it, like, for the greater good of the group and just really makes you feel for him. And the fact that it's Ned Stark, too, in, in retrospect, is pretty cool. So... That's my number five. 
Especially when you consider how many arrows he gets hit with, and he's still going. Yeah, Like, that's awesome. Josh, you being the movie buff you are, I don't know if this was Siskel or Ebert that came up with this term, but have you heard of the idiot problem that movies have sometimes? I have. I can't remember where it came from, though. So it's one of them, too, but, like, the thesis of it was apparently their biggest pet peeve was when the crisis point in a movie could have been cleared up with a single phone call. Like, oh, oh, you're not at the airport right now kissing that girl? Oh, okay, cool. Just making sure. All right. See you later. Bye. Yeah. So did they call it the idiot problem because the the people and the, the characters in the movie are behaving in an idiotic way? Or is it like written by an idiot? Or like who who is the idiot in the idiot problem? I might, or is it just you know, like a global idiot? I might be getting the name <laughs> wrong. And because electricity is out right now, I don't want to waste any phone battery looking it up on the internet. But it was essentially like, I think... I think it worked both ways, like the characters being an idiot and the writers just kind of being lazy. Gotcha. Like, no, there's a simple solution to this that'll clear up everything. You just didn't bother going through to the next step. Oh, I remember that. It was a, it was called the George Lucas problem. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Why you got Big burn! Big burn! He's going to wipe those tears away of his hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Misa thinks Jar Jar accidentally stepped on that gun. It's very realistic. <laughs> yes. Accidentally stepping on a gun killing three guys. Could totally happen. So, so Joseph, what's, what's your number five? So, real quick, just a side thing about Boromir. It's uh, Sean Bean's birthday. My wife pointed mm. that out, so that's kind of really? cool. Happy birthday, a, Sean Bean. Yeah. The the thing about Boromir that I noticed when rewatching it this time is that he doesn't really, at least not in my opinion, sacrifice himself. So it's kind of funny that you said that, Josh, because I totally remember it that way, too. But it's almost like it just had to happen. Like, they're in the middle of a giant fight, and he gets shot a bunch of times. It's not like he's like, you guys go on, I'm going to hold him off. There's there's kind of maybe that vibe, you could take it that way, but they never really say that. And the Hobbits, or the Merry and Pippin are right there when he dies. So, I don't know, does anybody else think, remember it that way? Because I totally remembered it being like sacrificing himself, too. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, it was just in the middle of like, you know, he, because if I remember correctly, like he, he draws off the Urukai in a way because they, you know, the Merry and Pippin are kind of hiding in the underbrush and, you know, and then they like come out from hiding. It's been a while since I've seen that scene, but they, that's how I'm remembering it at least that, you know, they come out of hiding after he's been torn up but and they you know i get you get the feeling that they would have been discovered had he not thrown himself into the middle of this unwinnable fight see then they i guess it's a mood point but they then they just end up grabbing mary and pippin anyway and taking them with them so i don't really yeah. understand but anyway that is not anywhere in my top five so my number five is the very end of Fellowship, and Frodo decides he's got to go off on his own. Gandalf kind of agrees and says, like, you know, they're all going to betray you one by one if we're together. And then, of course, Sam sneaks off and, and joins him on the boat. And it's just a really, like, kind of touching moment. And it's also setting up the whole Sam and Frodo mega friendship, which is, like, the best friendship in a movie or book ever in my opinion i just love it and um 
So uh, the specific line is when he says, what does he say? Damn it. I think the line is play it again, Sam, right? Yeah, he's uh, play it again, <laughs> Sam. And he goes, That's ding, it. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up. So sorry. <laughs> while, while he's doing that, I, I looked it up. Uh, James, what you were talking about, they refer to as the idiot plot. Okay, the <clears> idiot <throat> plot. Okay. Yeah. So there he goes, talking about the plot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is a quote here. Uh, Roger Ebert goes on, I can forgive and even embrace an idiot plot in its proper place, but when the characters have a depth and their decisions have consequences, I grow restless when their misunderstandings could be ended by words that the screenplay refuses to allow them to utter. So it's kind of, like you said, it sounds like it's going after both of them, the, the characters in the story and the screenplay itself that, all of the problems could have been resolved if they just said, hey, don't do that. Okay, I won't, you know. Oh, good. Man, I'm glad we had this two-sentence exchange. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Shortest movie ever. So it's actually not Boromir. Um, He's nowhere in my top five. Uh, My number five is at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. It's kind of this whole scene with him and Sam with Frodo and Sam, he, he decides to go off on his own. Um, Gandalf agrees that, he, you know, every single one of the fellowship will betray him one by one if, if he doesn't. And it's sad and everything. But, of course, Sam decides to sneak out and, and go with him. Um, there's two lines I love. So the one is Sam. And he said, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Um, great acting. Great, great just moment there. Um, but the, the other moment is right after that. Um, and he says, uh, Frodo says, I'm glad uh, you're here with me, Sam. Yeah, that's good. All right. So my number five, um, my number five is <clears throat> the intro, the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so of Fellowship of the Ring. I loved that as somebody who, going seeing it in the theaters, not knowing the full storyline of Lord of the Rings, I thought it was great because it condensed this massive world into that 10 minute chunk of time, which was great. And it, you know, explained it in a way it's like, okay, I now understand enough to that what I need to understand about this to care about what's going to be happening in this movie. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. For within these rings was bound the strength and will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived, for another ring was made. In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring, he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One by one, free lands of Middle-earth fell to the power of the ring. And then also on top of that, the fact that it's, it's, fitting, it's starting out the movie with a battle scene that other movies would probably end with, with the last alliance of men and elves. And it's awesome. Like, 
And then if you get into more of the of the background and the side story, they worked in a ton of I, I don't say like side characters, but like they worked in a ton of side characters and they just show them just for like a split second um, in, in that battle. And then they just move on. They don't even tell you who it is, but they're just they, they throw that in there for the people who are, you know, Lord of the Ring experts. And and that's awesome that they did that. But I just love that opening scene in the way that it explains the world. It gets you into it. And it's just awesome. The battle scene is incredible with Elrond, with, you know, the archers and the orcs squaring off. It's uh, it's great. So that's my number five. I love that, Bill. I, talking about the special effects, it I does. love the battle there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sucks when, you in right away. Right. And you, and you get the idea, I mean, without going into, like, there needs to be no exposition at all that Sauron is terrible because he shows up, he sucks in all the air around him, and then he just starts blasting groups of people without any effort at all. And and you get the idea of like, okay, this guy is the top and he is the reason why they're, they're fighting against, you know, all this evil to destroy him. Yeah. Just great scene. Definitely. All right, Nick, you ready? That I am. So, um, b- before we started recording, we kind of mentioned how on in this movie, like the a specific scene can be quite long and kind of difficult to pin down. So I know we're we're gonna have some people that will have like bits of what somebody else might call an entire scene as their scene, and vice versa. So my number five actually spanned two movies, um, which was um, Gandalf battling the Balrog. Mm. Um, so awesome. yes, yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, I originally thought that was going to be a lot higher on my list when I started creating my list. Because at first, I before I rewatched the movies, I kind of made a mental list of okay, these are my my moments that I remember from. Oh, good gosh, I guess 20 years ago now, which, again, old man podcast, yay! Um, but in going back and rewatching, it kind of slipped down to number five because in my memory, I thought it was this big, epic, long thing, which I think I've heard in the, again, I've not read the books, so I've been told in the books it is a little bit more involved. But in the the fellowship you just kind of have gandalf there on the bridge and he he has that iconic you shall not pass moment and he just kind of slams his staff into the bridge and balrog steps off and then the bridge breaks and he falls kind of like oh you know that's it but yeah but it's still this big awesome fire demon that's what makes it so amazing versus i mean the guy that you expect to be the number one guy throughout the entire movie and as far as you know seeing it for the first time and not reading the books they kill him off so i think when i if i remember correctly when i first saw the movie i was like wait so, 
he's he's dead now. Like, how's that? It's just kind of a very mind-bendy moment. But what really stuck with me was the fire demon. I mean, I'm a sucker for any time you have just this awesome-looking big bad. And it seems to be kind of a running theme in a lot of these movies. Like, the fire demon is Darth Maul. It's like, he's amazing. Oh, he's gone. Um, But thankfully, they picked it back up in the Two Towers and started the movie with kind of summarizing, well, you know, what happened in the Fellowship, but then also what happened after. It wasn't just that they fell to their deaths. They fell and fell and fell and battled and fell and battled and battled and somehow ended up on top of this tower and battled some more. And, I don't know, it's just a very... It, it, it didn't show you everything, but it showed you enough for your imagination to piece together what was missing and and just think, oh my gosh, what an epic battle between these two super powerful beings and to set up Gandalf's rebirth later on made it even better. So yeah, so that was my number five. So I'm going to jump in. because You said that was fellowship and two towers, right? I thought it was two towers in return of the King, but I'm wrong, right? You were wrong. What's well, funny is uh, that's my number two. So, <laughs> um, and I had it written down as the, as both scenes as well. The, um, fly you fools, which is one of my favorite lines. And then, you know, he falls down and looks like he's dead and then comes back and fights. I was watching um, that scene again today for the top five. And my four-year-old said, no, don't watch this scene. This scene always makes me sad. Oh, um, yeah. Gandalf, I mean, obviously it looks like he's dying or whatever. And usually you have to wait <laughs> like another four hours or something. But. I was just watching it on YouTube, and so I was like, no, wait, hold on. He's going to be right back. <laughs> but, so yeah. I, I really want to watch these movies with, with Finn, and he, he's three years old um, because he – I don't know. It's weird. Like death to him in movies is not a sad thing, but he's very inquisitive about it. Like he'll start asking a lot of questions, and they're usually really good questions. So like I'm curious like I'm not I'm not going to show it to him now but maybe within the next year or so to see if that sticks with him and like just to like I I'm not like oh I want to see my kid cry no I want to see him ask some good questions about such a like a deep scene. Yeah. Joey uh earlier this year got on a kick about death and you know just people dying and it was you know always a bedtime conversation and yeah, it was really hard, you know, like, are you going to die at some point? And, you know, talking through that stuff with your young child is very difficult and, and super sad because, you know, it's hard for them to realize it and then asking, like, is Granny going to die? Things like that. Um, But actually, I've, I've been watching the Star Wars movies with her lately and seeing the Star Wars movies made something with her, like with the Forest Ghost and sort of how people that you love can still be with you even after they pass because you'll hear their voices and, you know, you'll be able to kind of think, okay, what would they tell me in this situation? Um, the scene with Han and Kylo 
and uh, the ninth movie, like she really liked that scene and that really made it click for her. Like, okay, it's sort of like, they're still with us. It, yeah. it, it is like, they're still with us. it's exactly like that. That's awesome. But so James, what's number, your number five, number five. Okay. So far, everyone has had a scene from fellowship of the ring as their number five moment. Okay. That is going to continue with me. So in the Star Wars episode, my number 10, I mentioned, I kind of joked that I liked really quiet moments in movies before saying that my <laughs> number 10 moment was um, so the yelling of I'm the spy. But <laughs> yeah, I really do like these sort of like quiet, understated moments in movies. And so there is one I really love at the very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring is where Gandalf returns to the Shire for the first time in a long time. And he's having a conversation with Frodo and he shoots off some fireworks to amuse some kids. And this old lady gives him a nasty look. And Frodo kind of jumps off the wagon after a bit. And he says, I'm glad that you're back in the Shire, Gandalf. And so my number five moment is when Gandalf just sort of says, so am I, Frodo. And then Frodo's gone and just quietly to himself, he takes a puff off his pipe, I think, and says, so am I. Oh, that's good. And for whatever reason, yeah, that just, like, kills me. Like, I have moments like that when, dumb as it is, like, Josh and I are watching all the Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant stuff for a feud right now, right? Our uh, Pull Apart podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, watching, like... The intros to the WrestleMania three main event and Jesse Ventura running down like all the measurements of each guys and yelling the tail of the tape. And just that whole match, for whatever reason, it's I get the similar vibe like when Han said, you know, Chewie were home. I'm just like, okay, this is nice. I'm glad I'm here. And so Gandalf sort of having this like nice moment. Like it's funny because we've all been friends for like 20 years now. I'll randomly get hit with moments like that when I'm just like hanging at one of your houses or something like that. They'll just be like, wow, this is the same friend and this is their their family, their wife, all this stuff. It's I, I love little moments like that. And so that one resonated with me. So number five, Gandalf returning to the Shire Fellowship of the Ring. Heck yeah, that's good. And James, that, that was way more eloquent than I was trying to say that a similar vibe with mine, because, you know, Frodo kind of gives Sam this look of like, it's right after he almost drowns like an idiot. And he looks at him like, oh, Sam. And then he says, I- I'm glad you're here with me. And it's just like, you can tell it's not just like a line on a page. He he means it. He's saying it because he's happy that this really confusing like time for him. Uh, his best friend is there with him. Yeah, I love that. And you really could do like a top five uh, Frodo Sam moments from the series. The one you mentioned, I can think of like one from every movie right off the top of my head that I just love that almost made the list. There might be more to come. (laughs) (laughs) So my number four is Arwen saving the hobbits from the ring race which I think is in <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. It's yeah, that's it. So this one kind of hurt my my nerd heart a little bit because when we did read the books, Galadriel was one of my favorite characters, and she did this in the books, but she does not exist in the movies, and they kind of just let Aragorn's love interest do it to build her character up, I guess. But, um... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Editor's note, this was approaching midnight, and I meant Glorfindel, not Galadriel. Uh.
I just love that scene because I, I lo- <laughs> love the elves and I love the ring race and it's just super badass. Um, and I, I think it comes across great in the movies. Um, in the movie, in that scene, it looks awesome. So, so that's my number four. Awesome. My number four is <clears throat> from Return of the King, and it's when Gandalf and Pippin are sitting together under the siege of Gondor right before the Rohirrim show up for their charge. And it's when Gandalf is talking to him about the White Shores and how this isn't the end. I didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we almost take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. Enough. See what? White shores. And beyond. A far green country. And a swift sunrise. That isn't so bad. I love that scene and I almost cry every time that scene shows up because coming from it from like the it's it's the the interpersonal connection of it because there's that's what I love about these movies is that like the battle scenes are amazing but then those moments where like they they have the right script and the right actors to pull off this like they truly do care about each other but then also from like a faith perspective so you you have this scene where you're you're at the tail end of this third movie of a trilogy and it's all about this one goal of stopping this supreme evil and then in this one moment you have Gandalf who you know we talked about the whole battle with the Balrog and him coming back and everything basically says this essentially my take on it none of this matters because this is not the end so he's telling he's telling Pippin you know basically like yeah, if we do die, that's that's not the end of it. That's not it. We go on, and there's these white shores, and this breaking dawn, and it's beautiful. And I I love that scene because it, it it's you know you could apply it to any part of it, anything that's going on at any point that sucks right now. And there's another great scene about Gandalf saying it's just like you know so do so does everyone else who's in such times, but we're here now. We got to deal with it. But he's just like, you know what? No matter what happens here, it's not the end. It's just the beginning, and the, it's going to be the beginning of something way better than we could ever imagine. So I absolutely love that scene. That's my love number four. it. Yeah. Freaking amazing, Bill. Love that. That was such a good way to uh, put that. Thanks. So we skipped over right, Joseph. Joe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. crap. <laughs> I screwed up the order. Well, it's really weird because that was actually my number six. I really tried to get that in my top five um but i couldn't quite make the cut um watching it today watching both of those or sorry two days three movies i really started to like 
Pippin more than I ever did. I always just kind of assumed like, oh, Charlie from Lost is like a thousand times better. And <laughs> you can kind of ignore the. I know this sounds horrible, but like if you're if you're gonna take a snack break or a pee break when you're watching twelve hours of Lord of the Rings, let's be honest. Sometimes it's it's Merry and Pippin, and so I didn't really give much credit to him, but I really loved him after this this recent viewing. And one of the reasons is that scene. Obviously, Gandalf has the big Shakespeare monologue, but Pippin, or at least the, the actor that plays Pippin, is so good at conveying. Um, his fear, he's so scared because he's about to go into battle and he, he's pretty sure he's going to die, even though nobody really dies in Lord of the Rings. But So anyway, that's that's not in my top five, but I love that scene. My number, or my number four, rather, is actually when Frodo says, I'm here, I'm glad you're here with me, Sam, here at the end of all things. Now, I have both of these on here, and I kind of thought they were the same one until this recent rewatch because I did that obnoxious thing where I'll say a line as it's happening uh, like I'm sure we all do and I mm-hmm. said here at the end of all things during fellowship and I was like the hell he didn't say it I was like I know he says it and I was all confused and I could have googled it but I was like you know what? I'm just gonna wait I bet it's later and then it's it is it's after he destroys the ring him and Sam are laying on the side of the the mountain spent <laughs> it, it's just so moving it was cheesy but yeah it's it's real moving because um, again through all of this journey as he says later it was 13 months of a journey and who's there with him it's the same guy that was with him in the beginning, his, his best friend. So that's why I put both of those as, as five and four. Heck yeah. It's funny you should say that. Cause I, I thought that line of, you know, here with me at the end of all things. I also thought that was when you were talking about uh, the, the line from fellowship, I was thinking yeah. to myself about that line and I had just, I had just plugged it into that scene as well. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Great pick. That friendship again, I can't say it enough. And Joe, you did a great job there, but, Man, it's that is to me the emotional core of the movie is Frodo and oh, Sam. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's what Aragorn Screw says. The triangle. <clears throat> well, I mean that's that's what I mean that's what Aragorn says when he's charging towards the Black Gate towards a battle that they think that they're going to you know die in as well. He says for Frodo. I mean that's oh, that's so the good. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's just stop yeah. recording and go watch all three movies right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so since I spazzed out and went already, I'll I'll pass it off to Nick. So so my number four, um, and this continues with what I was saying earlier about a, one scene being more than just like this one succinct like five or ten minute scene. In fact, this kind of you could argue this breaks the rule a little bit. My number four is the Dead Army, but to give it a scene. I specifically put that my favorite part about the dead army was when they get to they get to the 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 doorway Die. 
I've always been a sucker for ghosts. Like in in a horror movie, if you're really gonna scare me, it's got to have a ghost or a demon in it because then there's that one little possibility of reality to it. Um, but also, I just feel like you can do so much more with a ghost than you can with like let's say like a Jason Voorhees or something like that. And this is a good example of you see this army of the dead and they're all in varying stages of decay, which is funny because they're ghosts because you could argue that, oh, they can look perfect or whatever. But I, I like that style of ghost and that you see rib bones, you see muscle and sinew. And you, there's it's like uh, like in uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That was my favorite part of that movie was the pirates that were dead that when they came out in the the moonlight that they were ghosts so the dead army to me is i mean yeah it's kind of lame that they can't be killed but just seeing them in action just swarm over and basically devour what they're attacking it's ah it's just such a creepy awesome element to this movie and just that, that line of the way is shut, it was made by the dead, and the dead keep it the way is shut, I, it's, I mean, it's not, I won't say it's a well-written, like, heading over a door, but it's enough to give you pause before you walk through that door. That's good, I like that line. Well, and the comedy of it oh, is yeah. that, you know, Legolas and Aragorn just charge right into it, and Gimli's the one who's freaked out, but then, like, realizes the amount of crap he'll get if word gets out that, you know an elf will go underground where a dwarf dares not, you know, that's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. Gimli's pride throughout this whole movie is strangely what pushes him on rather than holds him back. So that, that can be a whole nother topic, but yeah, that's a really good point. Unless seen just uh, to sidebar that it's funny that you made that comparison with pirates of the Caribbean, because on some, I think it was on one of the extra features or something about that is that uh, pirates came out slightly before return of the king did and that really screwed with the visual effects people because you know people you know keep that stuff under wraps so when pirates came out and they saw what the cursed crew looked like on the black pearl the the visual effects people and the designers for lord for return of the king were just like all right now what the heck do we have to do because they they basically had to go back and kind of do a redesign of the dead army because what they had so far would have looked like they were copying off of Pirates of the Caribbean, even though they had them in design and like production already. But they're like, well, crap, now we, we have to change it up enough to make sh- make it look like we're just not copying off this other movie. That's very interesting. That's fascinating when stuff like that happens, because even when you're spending like millions and millions of dollars on a movie like Lord of the Rings, and I know this happened with Captain Marvel and uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix uh, yeah. a couple years ago. It, it doesn't matter really who had the original idea or again, usually it's just two people having the same idea at the same time. Whoever gets to market first, the other one's going to look like they're copying and you got to <clears throat> change it. Yep. And in the case of X-Men Dark Phoenix, that was apparently quite unfortunate. They had to rewrite the whole ending and it wasn't, up to snuff, apparently. I didn't see it, but I heard. I heard the same thing, too, that it didn't, you know, yeah, it didn't go as well as they wanted it to. James, what's your number four? Number four, five words. No, seven words. My friends, you bow to no one. Oh, that's good. 
So yeah, this is um, this is the last movie, Return of the King, and this is just uh, Aragon now that he's king, really lavishing just like honor on these like lowly meek hobbits who have been on the adventure of a lifetime, saved existence, and again they were ex- I. Knowing their characters, I'm thinking they were expecting nothing, essentially. They just wanted to go back to the Shire, live kind of obliviously, you know. And again, just seeing all these people bow down before them, it puts tears in my eyes every time. Awesome. I love that line. Uh, Speaking of Aragorn, um, he's my favorite. I love him so much, and I really had a hard time. I almost just made them all five Aragorn moments. So I'm going to just go with Sorry, I said Aragorn a minute ago. (laughs) Yeah, different movie. Um, You should have shrewded me there. (laughs) I still can't decide (laughs) on which Aragorn moment. But the one I had written down, um, it's just an easy one. It's when he decapitates, lurts the uh, head of the Urukai's head um, in that that battle. It's just... Aragorn's just the ultimate, like, badass hero, I guess, opposite of the ultimate badass villain of Darth Vader from last time. But yeah, and that's one of those, like, Wolverine um, X2 moments where he just lets everything out and just goes ham on everybody. And yeah, he cuts his head off. And it's pretty sweet because not only is it, you know, just fun and cool, but it's also like, that was a big threat to the group, and he just um, put it into that. So I love that part. Um, that's my number three. And what movie is that again? Um, I did not write it down. Fellowship. Um, I think that's Fellowship, yeah. Cause it's yeah, it's Fellowship. Yeah. Well, and then, and then later on in Return of the King, he pulls the same move when he uh, – this is in the extra <clears> – <throat> the extended edition, but where he cuts off the head of the mouth of Sauron who comes out uh, of the black gate and starts talking crap and trying was, to talk him down and everything. And he just, he just cuts, he's just like, I'm done. Cuts his head off. It's great. That was one of my, um, once I was deciding between it. So anyway, Joseph, what's your number three? So my number three is, um, when Aragorn says you about <laughs> to no one, I again, couldn't say it better than James did. But I, I love the Hobbits, especially Frodo. He's probably my favorite character. And in the the kind of universe that, that Middle Earth is, where it's all about fealty to kings and people who are above you, they're, again, fully ready to, to bow to him. And he says no, and then... Like you said, James, it's hard not to tear up when the entire man-made island bows down to the, the hobbits. And Elijah Wood has this amazing look on his face. He's humbled and also like, yeah, I did do this. <laughs> um, in my opinion. But yeah, that's that's my yeah. number three. Yeah, especially, yeah, when, awesome. especially when you compare that. Because I think 
I don't know. There's just so many good characters that you can compare that to. So like, what you're what when you're saying that like that whole everything about is like fealty to kings and you know lords and all that. Like, if you compare that to Denethor, who was in charge of Minas Tirith beforehand, he was just a complete tool and was nothing but like you show me the respect that you know my position entitles me to. But he's a complete jerk that when push came to shove. He just wanted everyone to run away and then, like, was going to set himself on fire because he was a punk. And then you compare that to Aragorn where he's saying, no, you, you don't bow. Like, he, that was this great comparison between those two guys. All right, so my, yeah. <clears throat> my number three. So there were two characters I struggled to not have them completely dominate my list. And, and I tried, and I was successful to a point. And that is uh, Gandalf and King Theoden. Those two guys are my two favorite characters in this whole movie. Like they, there's just so many different parts of their character that I love. But my number four, I'm sorry, number three was at the very end of the Battle of Helm's Deep. Um, that whole, the whole sequence of Helm's Deep is amazing. But it's after the Urukai have completely taken over everything. They are battering down the last door that. Well, it's the last door. That's it. I mean, they've breached every defense, and this is the last door. And I think the character arc of Theoden is really, really amazing because he goes from being completely under the control of Saruman um, and weak and possessed, and then he tries to regain his footing. At the beginning of the Battle of Helm's Deep, he's super cocky, and he's like, we don't need anybody We'll get our defenses set up. He even has that line. He's like, is this the best you can do right before the Urukai Berserker tosses himself as a kamikaze into the drain ditch and blows up the wall? But he's he's like given up and he's just like, there's no use. Like he, that line is, just, you know, what can men do such, against such reckless hate? Like he's given up and Aragorn is like, you know, he's coming into like his kingship, I guess you could say. And he's like. We can still do this. We can still defend this. Your men have dis- have died defending it. You've you've got to keep going. And he's trying to get the women and children out of the cave. And like the light switches for Theoden, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, to hell with it. We're going to do this. And that that whole line of like the horn of Helm Helm Hammerhand is going to blow again in the deep. And Gimli's getting like amped up, and he's like, yeah. And he like runs up, and he gets up there and blows on the horn. And Theoden's got his helmet on. He's like, for wrath and ruin, the red dawn. And I'm like, holy crap, this <sighs> scene is so freaking good. And they just go tearing down the causeway, chopping heads. And then you turn, and then there's freaking Gandalf at the top of the hill with Aramir and all his, you know, riders.
this is so freaking good. Like Gimli's reaction of just like hell yeah, and like blowing on the horn, like is so flipping good. It's so flipping good, and I love that scene so much. That's my that's dude, my you just three. talking about that, dude. You just talking about that has my adrenaline pumping. That is such a good sensory well, f word part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's and here's why here's why I think is good about it because like in in the in the story arc, what makes this such a good series? Like, not to go too much on a tangent on it is like there is never one character that I feel like is the one hundred percent hero the entire time. Like every character has that moment where they're just like, we're screwed, we just need to give up, this is it, we're done. And then they push through it. So if you think about it, like, and this is what I think is, like, the appeal of Theoden to me, is, like, you all have those moments where, like, you hit the wall, and you're like, screw this, I'm dead, I'm done, there's no way. Like, they're beating at the door, I'm done. There's, what can I do against this? And then you you have those people in your life that be just like, nope, you've you can still defend this. You, you know, your quote unquote men have died defending this. And you're just like, yeah, to hell with it. Yeah, I have get the helmet on wrath and ruin red dawn. We're going to go out there and chop some heads off. It's awesome. Love it. Fantastic. Nick. So my number three, um, this is probably the, let's see, let me look here. Okay. No, I I was going to say this and one other, are the closest I can come to actually having a small scene. Like, that this was... It's when um, the Ents go to war. As I mentioned earlier, I had that that crappy t-shirt that I drew a a picture of Treebeard on. Treebeard, actually, is one of my favorite characters from this series. Just the, the stubbornness and the slowness to how he and the other Ents think and process... And how they they come to the conclusion that they're above this war, that it has nothing to do with them. But yet, once he comes through the clearing and sees the entire forest around uh, Saruman's tower wiped out, just the rage that overtakes him, and the the heartache, too, of, like, he, he had friends that were in that forest, he it, it became personal to him at that moment. Is that was basically his D Day right there. It's like it's like nope, I don't want any part of this. I'm gonna we're gonna wipe our hands of this. And then he steps into that clearing, and it's like Pearl Harbor all over again. Is, uh, is what I meant to say. Oh my gosh! And just the fact that they even as slow as they are, uh, the, to to use the term that Josh is so fond of. They, they 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 go they go ape on it and they go like just crazy and just destroy the orcs that are there pretty much neuter Saruman to the point where he's he's got to go lock himself in the tower I mean you only see in one part like one of the ents catch fire one of the other ones gets pulled over but yet at the same time it's like when they break the dam, that int that's on fire goes rushing into the water to put the fire out so he can continue fighting. It's such a wonderful scene. And me being the, the tree hugger that I am, just seeing a bunch of trees go and destroy their destroyers, ah, it, it's a good it, it's a good vengeance scene. I love revenge. I love that scene. Yes, I love revenge. I love 
I love trees. I love <laughs> that they are stepping on orcs and right and urukai right and left. It's ah, oh, it's great. That's actually my number two, Nick. That's awesome. It was pretty close to my list as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just like and Nick, you said it perfectly, man. But like the visual of those trees just stepping on the orcs, it's so dominant it's amazing i love when the the water comes and they're standing there holding them and they brace for impact that's my favorite part of it yeah the fact that you have this whole freaking river rushing down and they're not budging that just shows the power that they have well my i mean i'll i'll hold off on a little bit but one of my favorite little scenes in there that you may miss if you don't watch it like a hundred times because you're a nerd but there's one ent that picks up two orcs and just smashes them together Oh yeah, like straight, like turns their heads toward each other and just yeah, and just, just like crushes them into each other. I think that's such an awesome. Other. It's, it's yeah. oh gosh, I love that part. I've actually adopted that as my discipline policy with my daughters. <laughs> it's a little harder now that they're older, but when they were babies, it worked perfect. Just no smash them together. <laughs> it worked great. Just shut them up right away <laughs> for three whole days. Yeah, <laughs> for three days. All right, James, yeah. what's your number three? <laughs> I just want to say, Bill, that is a wrestling thing, too, in a way, not the whole body, but just grab one head, grab the other head, and then you have to look around at everybody in the room, and then you smash their heads together. Yes. The noggin knocker. But my number three, and again, so far, all I've done are individual lines to kind of represent something bigger right so my number three is another line this one's four words take him down legolas <laughs> and so just that one part with that uh what kind of remind me what kind of beast was it kind of running forward in that moment? oh yeah the urukai that that's running with to blow up the black powder right is that the one you're talking yeah. about yeah. yeah 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 and legolas just like kind of stands firm plants his feet and just like fires arrow after arrow as fast as he can like directly into uh, the skull until like so just slides down and lands right at his feet Just even envisioning that scene, I get so pumped up. Like, that is such a badass moment. And that, to me, is like, okay, they're outmanned, they're outmatched, they're overwhelmed. But it's like, fight is freaking on. It's game day. Bring whatever you got. Love that part, man. And, yeah, just pumps me. So, that's my number three. Awesome. That's one of the... Uh, Nick, you always talk about how you love the really kind of adrenaline pumping moments, right? That's one for me. Maybe of the whole run of Lord of the Rings, that might be my favorite isolated action moment. So my number two was um, the one we mentioned before about the Balrog and uh, that whole scene. So I, I don't think I really have anything else to say other than like, like, a, like Louis, it gets me every time. It's Gandalf's up there for me, and just uh, a glint, like just thinking about what happens when he falls down, uh, and they're just like tussling and battling, and all the way down, it's just super cool. And you see, you know. Obviously, all the emotion of everybody thinking that he died. and Yeah, so that was my number two. Joseph? So it seems to be uh, we're all kind of mentioning our favorite characters, so pretty fitting. Um, 
my number two is a Gollum moment. Gollum mm. is by far my favorite character. Well, who knows? You know how it is, depending on the day. But <laughs> I, I freaking love Gollum. And uh, part because I will never do it justice. It's in Return of the King, I believe. And he's talking to himself back and forth. And it's like kind of Smeagol essentially talking to Gollum. Two Towers, actually, I think it is. What did you say? Master looks after us now. We don't need you. What? Leave now and never come back. No. Leave now and never come back. Leave now. And it shows, obviously it shows how awesome of a character Gollum slash Smeagol is, but it really shows Andy Serkis. Um, yeah. And I, I freaking love Andy Serkis. I talked about him. And, you love Andy Serkis, yeah. Oh, uh, I adore him. <laughs> and if we did a Planet of the Apes top five, he would be all five of them. Not that there's not much else to choose from in those, but... Um, oh come on now no no i love him i just yeah. mean like he's in every scene almost like oh yeah um well, i'm thinking the old ones too charlton heston oh, and gotcha. yeah yeah kind of like what i think it was josh was saying like about boromir like he's only human obviously he's a cave monster at this point but he's only human and it shows pretty much the entire human condition what all of literature is trying to achieve uh in that one scene in my opinion so Great scene. It was really a, a toss-up between that and my number one. So that's my number two. Awesome. Cool. My number two is the last March of the Ents. I'm 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 with Nick. Treebeard is one of my favorite characters in the whole thing. Um, there's an there's an added level of um, neatness, I guess, if I can make up that word, with his character. That the the story goes is that he's actually. Uh, well, C.S. Lewis was actually the inspiration for Treebeard um, and how he talked and how he kind of just carried himself uh, because, you know, the, they were they were best friends, which is super cool to think about. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh. I I love that scene because of all of all the neat action aspects of it, you know, it's like the orcs being smashed head to head and all that and the you know, the flaming end that dips himself into the water. But what I think is so cool about it is, again, you have this kind of comedic scene of like the ants do everything incredibly just at a dead snail pace. And it's the whole joke of like, don't be hasty. And, and I can't remember which one is, I think it's maybe Mary who finally gets fed up and he's at the end moot where he's just like, you have to do something about this. You can't just ignore what's going on and Treebeard's like no we got to we've we've dealt with crap before we'll deal with this again you know we'll we'll make it through and then uh Pippin has the idea of going past Orthanc and uh and so they can see what's going on and just that 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 shift that Treebeard goes from calm and even keel to just complete and utter rage is amazing and he there, there's no more debate they don't stand around and talk about it they're just like okay we're we're going to war knowing he even says you know that line like we may not make it but we're we're going to make us you know this is the last march of the ants 
And that that whole scene reminds me of this quote that my dad shared with me. My dad was a was a lit major for a while before he became a pastor. So he's always like sharing quotes from poets and everything. And, and I wish I could remember who wrote this quote because I love it. But the the line was, "Beware the wrath of a patient man." And that whole thing just rings true because like you're patient to a point, but then as soon as you're pissed, like there's no going back. Like. So seeing Treebeard lose it reminds me of that line of beware the wrath of a patient man, because there's Treebeard just being cool. Like, yeah, you know, we'll just spend four hours deciding whether or not you're orcs or not. But as soon as he sees that the trees have been destroyed, it's over. It's, you know, so I, I love that scene. That is this. And then especially when it's cut in with what's going on at Helm's Deep back and forth, it's uh, it's beautiful. So that's that's my number two. It's like that movie Falling Down, but for trees. That's exactly it. I love it. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Tree Beard goes in and, and tries Bill, to order just, breakfast. Yeah. Tree Beard. It's 1031. <laughs> <laughs> Barum. And, and Bill, I wanted to mention, just so we could document this, you and I have joked before about how our dads are uh, kind of the same person, right? Like they both yeah. wanted to be short order cooks. My yeah. dad was also an English major in addition to being a math major. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. That's I crazy. am. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's cool. There it is. Yeah. All right. Nick, you ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. So my number two, um, which I, I am a little surprised has not shown up yet, and it, it, it may show up as a number one, but I'm no, we'll see. Um, is the scene with the cave troll. So yeah, the I, I know Bill has mentioned before that he's he's a sucker for monsters. In this instance, I I was all in on the cave troll. I, I'm it's you've got a battle scene in a small tiny little room with all your heroes fighting this swarm of bad guys, and they're they're picking them off right and left. It, it's a, a hard fought battle, but you're like, oh, you know, they've got this. And then in comes the cave troll. And you're like, oh my. Yeah. So it's just, even though, as I mentioned before, you know, the CGI compared to today is a little bit wonky. It's this, I will argue, held up. The cave troll is just, it's this lumbering beast of a thing. You're not exactly terrified of it because it's not this, like, fearsome ferocious thing you're 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 thinking the whole time oh it's this dumb lumbering beast but it's a dumb lumbering beast that you just cannot take down and just seeing him go after the hobbits like they're hiding and yet he's popping out and like trying to get them and ah gosh it's it's such a claustrophobic scene since it's in a little room but yet you introduce this massive creature to just wreak havoc on everything i mean i i i will admit though i i hate how he was taken down because i mean legolas is cool and all but he's he's kind of got the superman thing going for him it's that you can't really like him because he's too perfect so the fact that legolas is the one that takes him down in the end that eh. but otherwise love the cave troll the sound of the cave troll makes when it's dying i think is like a beautiful piece of sound in engineering. Mm-hmm. 
That is yes. exactly what a cave troll would sound like after it's had two arrows shot up into its mouth. Yep. It's perfect. Absolutely. So, James, what's your number? That we're at two? We're at yeah. number two. And this might be a lot of people's number ones, but it's uh, Harry is the Horcrux from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so they're on the Enterprise going towards Third Earth. And Eternia is being attacked by Snake Mountain. There's a lot going on, but man, that one, who could have seen it coming? But, I mean, that seems so blood. I don't want to be cliche, right? So yeah. instead, I'm going to go with Aragorn's speech from Return of the King. I, do, I don't need to say any more than that, right? Like, we all know what I'm talking about. Hold your ground! Hold your ground! Hands of Gondor! Of Rohan! My brother! I see in your eyes. The same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! Frickin' love it. <laughs> so good. I actually have an MP3 of that, just so I can listen to it on my iPod sometimes. I still use my iPod. Still love my iPod. And yeah, yeah, that might be somebody's number one, but that's my number two. Love that part. Awesome. Well, I was, I mean, just watching it, because I was watching Return of the King here while, we're, while we've been doing this, but what I love about that scene that I, every time I watch it, I forget about this part of it, and I fall in love with it again so they're down uh aragorn's off his horse they're on foot the they are completely encircled and there's that weird moment where he's kind of being enticed by sauron like in in a way and gandalf kind of looks at him like what's up man what are you thinking and then all of a sudden he just whispers for frodo and then he goes off on his own but Merry and Pippin are the first two that break out of the line of all those soldiers to go running after him. And I freaking love it. Like, of course they would be because they've gone through all this crap. And why wouldn't they be the first two guys to run out to join battle for their friend who's God knows where in that hellscape? So that's a great scene. Yeah. All right. We're at our number ones. Does anybody want to do... Um, some honorable mentions before that? I absolutely do. Who else has yeah. one too? Yeah, I have, yeah, I, I have honorable I, mentions, yes. I, I have a couple of them, um, but I'm going to forego my honorable mentions. Can I can I share my daughter's lists real quick? Of course. Okay, yes, so, yes. So, all right, so Alice's list, they are, they are super into The Hobbit. The movie's a little bit more so than Lord of the Rings, and I think that has to do more with, like, I read the book to Elsie, and, like, that was just part of more of what we're doing, so... Uh, this is Alice's list. So her number five is Battle of the Five Armies. Her number four is when Mary and Pippin were with Treebeard. Her number three was when they, the the hobbits, and, uh, I'm sorry, Bilbo and the dwarves, made it to the Misty Mountain in Smog's Cave. Uh, number two was when they were floating in the barrels, the, the dwarves. Into the barrels, quickly. Are you mad? They'll find us. No, no, they won't. I promise you. Please. Trust me. 
Then herd number one, when where all the horses were lined up together, which is in Return of the King. Elsie's list was nice. number five when Pippin and Mary were with Treebeard. Her number four was when Legless, Aragorn, Gimli, and Gandalf all go to Rohan. Uh, number three was when Erwin uses her magic to make the water horses. Uh, number two was when I thought this one was super. Man, I don't want to be like nerd dad, but like you have these moments where you just like love your kids so much. You just want to like crush them to death. You love them so much. Uh, so she her number two was when Bilbo asks Gandalf if this is a good place to stand during the Battle of the Five Armies. I didn't even know what part she was talking about, but like something about that line spoke to her and I love it so much. And then her number one was also when all the horses were lined up together. (laughs) Yeah, because they're nine year old girls and whenever you can throw horses in there, they love it. So that's their lists. That's adorable. That's going to beat all of ours, Bill. (laughs) Yeah. As it should, my little babies. <laughs> All right. The honorable I want to mention real quick. This is from the expanded edition of the movies. Okay. This is particularly from the two towers. The funniest gag for me of like the whole run is this cut scene. So in the Battle of Helm's Deep, Legolas and Gimli had a running competition on who could kill the most people. Right. Yeah. And so in the cut scene at the end, Gimli is sitting on top of this body and he's smoking a pipe calmly. And Legolas comes up with this number and Gimli says something like, oh, it's a very impressive number. The elf has. Bill, do you remember the exact number? I don't. It's it's to me, it's a really crazy low number for like the battle that they were just in. It's something like in the, in the forties or fifties or something like that. I'm like, there's no way they killed that few people in this crazy <laughs> yeah. battle well, that they were just in the middle of. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause early on, they, when they start, when they very first start counting, Legolas is like 1920 and that's yeah. in two towers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, maybe that was some sort of weird, it's going to be rated R if they say that they've killed more than 40 something. <laughs> yeah. Never Standards and yeah. practices were like, oh, you can't kill that many orcs. It has mm-hmm. to be it's in the... 17. It has yeah. to be less than 80. <laughs> but yeah, so like Legolas says like, 51 or whatever, and Gimli says, like, a very fine number indeed, but the dwarf sits here with 52. And then Legolas, like, shoots an arrow at the body of the head Gimli's sitting on. He goes, 52. He was trembling. <laughs> and then Gimli grabs his axe, and it was when he did this, it was the first time I noticed that the axe is actually buried into this guy's skull. Huh? And Gimli just, like, shakes his axe. Like, he's trembling because of the axe I put in the middle of his eyes or something like that. And the body just, like, trembles every time Gimli moves the axe. All right, so the I looked up the numbers in case you're really worried about it, but it was 43-42. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. just silly. Yeah. Maybe so, 
Legolas is like Roman Reigns and Royal Rumbles, where like he'll come in strong <laughs> and he'll take a nap for like 15 minutes, <laughs> and it's just off screen. Like, move the camera, don't show Legolas. He's just laying down. I mean, he is, you know, the one that they try to bill as the main character, and he sucks. So that it, it does add <laughs> up. So they have multiple things in common. Kind of the pretty boy. That's why everybody likes him. <laughs> They're both people that I like. So my. <laughs> I I like have, like- three honorable mentions real fast um one is really specific but it's in the beginning very beginning of fellowship of the ring when gandalf's there and he yells <laughs> bilbo baggins you want it for yourself bilbo baggins do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks i am not trying to rob you i'm trying to help you I don't know why. I just <laughs> so good. Love I love that. that. Part. <laughs> it's, so good. It kind of reminds me, though, if you want to get all like deep or whatever about what you were saying, Bill, about the patient man or whatever. It's just kind of like he's this old dude and looks very like not Frail. scary, but yeah. you don't want to piss him off because out of nowhere he can be scary. Um, yeah. Also, Aragorn, I mentioned I love him when he saves uh, Frodo from the ring race. That part is so cool. And also, Eowyn, the I am no man part, which yes. is awesome just because it's awesome because it's awesome, but also because like having daughters being able to watch that and like have a heroic, badass moment that is not just another dude is yeah. really cool. So, those are my honorable mentions that haven't already been mentioned. I also love the the end scenes so yeah mine also has i am no man in it when i very first thought we were going to do this list in my head that was the very first one i thought of like oh that's just going to be number one obviously What's weird, though, is, <laughs> yet again, watching it this time, I was like, I had no memory of, of Pippin in that scene. And he actually saves her. She's about to die, arguably. And he stabs the Witch King right in the back. And then she kind yeah. of stumbles up. Um, definitely an honorable mention. Probably should have made the top five is when Gandalf says, all, all we have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given to us. And it's kind of funny, too, because, like, it's the first movie, and you know, especially watching the extended, how much you still have to get through. And Frodo's already like, ugh. He's, like, done. He's like, I wish this never would have come to me. And it's like, Frodo, you have no idea what's still going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But those are my two honorable mentions. That's the part where Gandalf goes beyond. So he's like, bitch, please. <laughs> Any other honorable mentions? Yeah, I uh... yeah because it has. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I'm no, sorry, you man. go ahead. I was just because it because it hasn't been mentioned yet. I wanted to mention the very end of Return of the King at a uh, is it Mor- 
at the volcano. I'm just brain farting right now. Mordor. Yeah, Mount Mordor. Doom. I was going to say Mordor. Yeah, Mount, I was going to say Mount Doom. Too. It's like, there you well, go. can't be both. All right. Whereas Sam tells Frodo, like, I can't carry your burden, but I can carry you or something like that. Yeah. Such yeah. a good, like, just nice scene between those two. That's all I had, Nick. I'm sorry, man. No, you're good. Actually, that I, I didn't have that as as one of my honorable <clears throat> mentions. But any any movie that has a a like a solid friendship in it is it, it's it's almost a tearjerker to me. Like as to when like an animal gets killed off in a movie, like like friendship is such an important thing in in my life, and so when you depict a friendship in such a way that Oh man, just the the friendship between Frodo and Sam is it's unmatched. So yeah, that's that's an awesome scene. But um I had basically what I did is I picked out three scenes from each movie. And so I went it, it down to my top 5. So what I was left with the four cuz I figured we probably would do honorable mentions. One of them has already been discussed pretty in depth, which was the death of Boromir. I won't go into that one any further. Um the another one that was, I mean, not really this specific scene wasn't touched on, but the death of Gollum, that yeah. was a, a big scene to me because I mean, Andy Serkis is just such a great actor, especially with mocap. I mean, he has basically made that genre of acting <laughs> in, in that just the way that Gollum moves around, and it's in the past when you would have someone doing. It was called voice acting because they would just draw in the character and the actor was just doing the voice. Well, Andy Serkis did the whole thing and they just drew Gollum over him. So just the death of Gollum too, just the glee in Gollum's face, even up until the point that he hits the lava. And even then he's not really, he doesn't scream out in anguish. It's like he has this moment of realization of like, oh, this is not, you know, I've I've been betrayed. Like I I think in that moment the ring finally like broke its hold on him, but he still held on to it till the bitter end, until it sunk below the lava. That that I thought was a great scene. I, I'm all, I'm a like I said before, I'm a sucker for when you have a big bad that just looks awesome. So the introduction of the Nazgul in the Fellowship of the, yes. the, the Ring Race, you've got these dudes with these badass like metal gloves on and these the black robes and they're riding black horses <clears throat> covered in blood and they've got these huge swords and then of course when you see the witch king for the first time and he's got this like metal metal crown on and he's ah it's just so awesome um and then beyond that like i mean this was just kind of a funny scene to me but i wrote it down as when gandalf bitch slaps denethor Um, yes So, and it happens like actually a couple times because Gandalf's horse bitch slaps Denethor as well. But just that scene where Denethor turns around and Gandalf just pops him in the face with his staff.
It's, I mean, you do, you don't expect it, and it's just... Uh. Denthor is such a good character to hate, and to see him just get smacked in the face with a stick is just so rewarding and hilarious. I agree. So real quick, my my honorable mentions, um, Gandalf versus the Balrog, that was, real, that was tough not to make it onto the list, because I love that. Uh, the Fellowship in Moria is amazing. The whole cave troll scene when Boromir says, like, they have a cave troll... And then you don't see it, but you hear it, and you're like, well, what the heck does a cave troll look like? And then it just comes busting through. Um, but I love the line with Gimli where he's like, he's ready, and he goes from like being sad, uh, seeing that Balin has died, and that's his tomb that they're in, and he jumps up, and he's like, let him come, let him see that there's one dwarf in Moria that yet draws breath. And I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. But I love the scene oh, with, uh, like I said, I love Gandalf. He's just amazing, like... And him and Minas Tirith and Return of the King is amazing. But that scene when they're at the gates and they're ready to bust through the door with Grond, the, the hellhound warhammer thing that they're beating the door down with. Then out of nowhere, the door breaks open, and here comes all these trolls in full armor that are just ripping the hell through these guys. That's such a great. Oh, great that's part awesome! Too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Is it the time? Is it's it time, time for the number one? It's number time. one. Peter Jackson eating a carrot. It's Vader time. <laughs> so, so yeah. So my number one, I cannot believe it's not been mentioned with all of the Sam and Frodo love. But it's the famous speech that Sam gives Frodo in the Two Towers. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just, like, everything we've talked about with them, too, where it's just such a deep friendship, and Sam is just constantly trying to, you know, just keep him going. I can't do this, Sam. I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. 
Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. It's just the best. So and Sam is one of my one of my favorites. I feel like he's just I love his arc of you know, feeling like he's not good enough and um, the whole Sam, Samwise the Brave. I just love mm. it. So, yep, that's my number one. <clears throat> well, that's it's my tough. number one as well. <laughs> oh, um, brothers! <laughs> uh, I don't know which one of us is Frodo and which one's Sam, but um, but yeah, it, again, just cut it in because I'm not going to do I have it pulled up here, but I'm not going to do it justice. It's so, so good. If Gollum's scene um, was kind of the human condition for me as my number two, this is almost like the answer to it, the the solution, if you will. And it's it's really hitting home this time just because of the whole surreal state that we're in um, in the world. So, like, it's really easy to be, what's the word? Cynical. Just kind of cynical and discouraged and... Just, you know, Frodo and Return of the King about everything. And for it reminds me of the quote that is real famous of Mr. Rogers where, like, for the the helpers. It reminds me of that because, like, yeah, stuff's always going to suck. Stuff's always going to be awful. Stuff's always going to be able to get you super down and, and discouraged and think that it's not worth fighting. But Sam reminds us that it is. And That's Joe, I love one. that you... I love that you mentioned that uh, Mr. Rogers quote. My daughter was just watching the Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood episode where they quote that in the episode today. Oh, really? Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, Bill, what's your That's number me. One? All right. So, uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of King Theoden. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because with looking at when I saw my daughter's list and I'm like, it, did I have any influence on them picking their number one? Because their number one was my number one. Because when when we were watching the movies together, and it was just an awesome dad moment of like, I'm getting to relive how awesome this thing is that I love because my daughters are totally into it. Like the whole line of like, I am no man. When she kills the Witch King, when uh, Erwin kills the Witch King, like they were totally into that. They're like... You know, that's it was like cool seeing that happen. So when that scene came up, like I was just pumped and I was like, I cannot wait for you guys to watch this scene. So when when you see it as the whole arc of his character that he like I said before, when I was talking about the Helm's Deep thing where like there's no doubt 
in his mind because Return of the King starts out where they're celebrating the victorious dead uh, after the battle. And he's kind of like feels like crap because he's recognizing that he lost heart in the battle and it wasn't Theoden. It was Aragorn who who won the the battle of Helm's Deep and everyone's like, well, you know, but at this point he's, he's totally in control of like knowing who he is and what his role is in his speech. He goes like galloping down the line, hitting the spearheads of his sword, and he gets everybody like ramped up, cheering death. And then Erwin's in there, and um, Mary's in there yelling too because they're like their fear is gone because they see that he doesn't have any. And that point, right before the line of horsemen hit the line of orcs, when you see that like I, I can't remember they like zoom on zoom in on one in particular. I think it's the dude with like the giant herpy blister on his face. That guy that rides on the the warg, like he like he has that momentary like expression of like oh crap we're done, and they just bowl over all of these and then like wipe them out, which is great, and then they just rally again to go after the the elephants that are coming down after them, you know, for the next round of the battle. So that's my number one, one the ride of the Rohirrim. There, that is my top favorite scene out of all three movies. Man. So my Good. number one goes back to a, I mean, this could probably be broken up into multiple scenes, but I mean, we'll, we'll just say with setting ground rules that I'm not really cheating. So um, my number one is the entirety of the battle at Helm's Deep. Just from start to finish on that, the and this is, I mean, it's already been discussed, so I won't go, like, long-winded on it. But, I mean, you see the, the despair in the people of Rohan having to retreat to this. I mean, it is literally their last resort. It's uh, this fortress at the bottom of a mountain, and there's no, I mean, they... they have kind of a throwaway line about a way out for the women and children to get out later, but there's really essentially no way out. It, it's, it's a tomb. And so their, their thought is, you know, no one has ever gotten in here. And then they, they have the, the berserker that was mentioned earlier run in and like blow up the wall through that, the drainage ditch and just the, it looks so hopeless at the beginning but yet you have your heroes, which again, it seems like no one dies except the, and I, I don't remember his name, so I'll have to leave it up to Bill who either knows it or will look it up. But the one elf that gets killed is really the only character of note in this that gets killed off. And even him, it's like he just showed up for the Battle of Hel- Helm's Deep. Like you didn't know anything about him beforehand, and then now he's dead, so everybody should be sad. Um, 
but it's I mean the action in this scene is just it grips you, it draws you in, you think there's no way out, and they rally, they get beat down, they rally, they get beat down, and even even the corniness and I, I've mentioned earlier of like not being such a big fan of Legolas. I mean, I was when I was younger because he was just super cool. Now it's just like he's super cheesy. But like Legolas surfboarding down the steps on a shield and just shooting arrow after arrow, you just you you can you can't not root for that. Um, the the game that's going on between Legolas and Gimli of counting their kills that I think is awesome. The 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 callback line of of Gimli looking over to Aragorn and saying "toss me, but don't tell the elf." <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. Oh come on, we can take him. It's a long way. Toss me. Don't tell the elf. Not for work. So, in the line of uh, when Legolas says, uh, do you want me to describe it to you or shall I get you a box? Yes. Like, I love that. I looked up the name of the elf that died. It's Buddy. Buddy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's Haldir. No, it's Haldir, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's they're looking at what seems like certain death, and yet their response is to just be very cavalier about it and to make jokes. and It's... I mean, you can kind of like relate that to of what. And granted, I've never been in this situation, but what military doctors are like, where they have to have a morbid sense of humor and make jokes just to get them through, um, because otherwise you would just drive yourself mad. So you yeah. could say that that's what they're doing, because if they really focus on the weight of the situation they're in, then they would just lose all hope. And just lay down and die. So it's yeah, that's always been one of my favorite scenes. And there actually was a PlayStation Two game that you got to play the Battle of Helm's Deep, and that was just such a wonderful part of the game to play. Ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, and the Urukai are awesome. Like everything oh, about them is amazing like especially the berserkers they have at the top of the ladders that come up Mm -hmm. and that giant sword that's meant for clearing people off the wall it's just yeah incredible yeah i will argue that there is nothing bad about the battle of helm's deep i would agree with you (laughs) haldir's family wouldn't say so but sure Eh, he probably didn't have a family so I this is a weird thing to bring up. I almost don't want to, but I'm going to. Uh, you can edit this out later. But the Jar Jar was also a motion caption character. 
Oh my gosh! Did you <laughs> caught that too? Yeah, he was on the orc side. Yeah, but sorry, James. The, no, no. The saddest part to me of like the whole movies. Um, again, there's like a lot of tragic deaths and things like that. But right before the Battle of Helm's Deep, where um, Aragorn is sort of walking through the people, and he sees like this ten-year-old boy, and he's holding a sword that is like about three quarters as tall as he is, and he just so walks good. up to him and. Yeah, like just kind of quietly like repositions it. it goes like like this, well, like this, trying to give him like encouragement. And again, like Nick, you mentioned they pretty much think they're all going in to die. And I think is that where Aragorn gives the speech, like where somebody says, "You'll die," and he goes, "And I will." They're all gonna die. And he yells, "And I will die as one of them," or something. Well, yeah, well that's that- that's where Legolas has his. Like I said earlier what I like about this is that every one of the heroes has their moment where they're just like, we're screwed. And that's where Legolas is looking around. He's like, that's his we're screwed moment. It's he, he makes the comment. It's like nothing but old men and boys. Like we're not going to make it like they're going to die. And that's where he gets mad. And he's like, well, I'll die with them because they're speaking Elvish the whole time. And that's where he gets everybody's attention. Cause he just shouts, I'll die as one of them. Yeah, and that's where yeah. Legolas is like, "Crap, I shouldn't have despaired," you know, later on. Yeah, <clears throat> I I just wanted to uh, kind of add on to Nick what you just uh, everything you said was so perfect, and I just remembered that one little part I always loved that so freaking moving. Mm-hmm. Again, just the quietness of that little moment. That kid totally <laughs> died, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> And I gotta say, I, I love Peter Jackson, even though he's got faults, um, like anybody who has to take on something this insane. But I love him for what I imagine would be fighting to keep that in, you know, like putting or deciding to put something that small and um, relatable and, and human in there. Yeah, uh, could have easily just been on the cutting room floor. God knows a lot of stuff was. Um, right. But that scene, that that moment is just amazing. Well, and that he had the he had the I don't know foresight is the right word for it. But I haven't I haven't read the the books. But the whole uh, battalion of elves showing up to Helm's Deep, from what I understand, is not in the books at all. But he had the the creativity, or I, I don't know, I'm struggling for the word right now to add in that part of like, no, this would be cool if we had elves come and have an alliance with men again so i mean i don't think that would be the same without the elves in it no a hundred percent like you would end up thinking going away thinking that most of the elves are pricks except for legolas like i love that and i love that eric i think it's aragorn hugs him and he looks kind of that haldir guy looks kind of like whoa not used to being hugged like i'm an elf and we do everything robotically yeah, um, but then he smiles and gives into it. Like it's so good, and it it does it, it ties the the elves and humans back together. I mean, I guess he just knew more than Tolkien, you know. Just doing it better. <laughs> Movies are better. Than <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? I well, I know. hear that the. Uh... The books that they uh, wrote to adapt to the movies, you know, the the books that they wrote based on the movies, they were pretty good. I hear that they did a pretty good job staying true to the movies. Novelizations. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So number one for me, um, 
this is the last one. And so, guys, this is the way the list ends. This is the way the list ends. This is the way the list ends. <laughs> Not with a bank, but with a whimper. Because we're allowing it with apologies. I'm going to know. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> okay. I know it is. I'm going to see if I'm right. Okay, so, again, most of my uh, list has been about lines sort of representing bigger things, right? So there is a scene near the beginning of The Hobbit where uh, Gandalf is hanging out with uh, Bilbo, okay? And he's, like, brought a bunch of friends, and his friends are being rowdy and rambunctious. And I actually kind of hate that part. I think it's sort of cheesy. But then the part right after it is my favorite part of any movie. Bill, is this what you were thinking? I know. I was 100% right. All right. So they just close the door. It's just Gandalf and Bilbo. And Bilbo sits down. He puts his hands on his head. So it's like, I'll be all right. I just need to sit quietly for a second. And Gandalf is kind of pissed. And he goes, you've been sitting quietly for far too long. I'll be all right. Just let me sit quietly for a moment. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. Tell me. When did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? I remember a young hobbit who was always running off in search of elves in the woods. We'd stay out late, come home after dark, trailing mud and twigs and fireflies. A young hobbit who would have liked nothing better than to find out what was beyond the borders of the Shire. The world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins of Bag End. You are also a Took. Did you know that your great-great-great-great-uncle Bullroarer Took was so large he could ride a real horse? Yes, well, he could. In the Battle of Green Fields, he charged the goblin ranks. He swung his club so hard it knocked the goblin king's head clean off and it sailed a hundred yards through the air and went down a rabbit hole. And thus the battle was won. And the game of golf invented at the same time. I do believe you made that up. Well, all good stories deserve embellishment. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? And if you do, you will not be the same. That's what I thought. Sorry, Gandalf, I can't sign this. You've got the wrong hobbit. It appears we have lost our burglar. I, again, I have that on my iPod. I listen to that regularly. Anytime I need to pump myself up, the whole you've been sitting quietly for far too long, just for whatever reason with like how I, again, one of the things that a lot of us do, um, a lot of us did together last year is we sort of orchestrated a year where we kind of set a lot of goals. And that's something I've done for several years. And that just sort of reminds me like, no, you have, these relationships in your life, you have these great things, you have all these blessings. Don't sit on your ass and right. just let them go by without appreciating them. Get up, put feet to action, 
do things so that you aren't really just like watching your life pass by so that you're actively living your life and that you like when I look in the mirror, but like you are proud of what you have done with your week, your month, your year. Um, and again, just having friends like, you know, we all have, we've all been friends forever. I love seeing these people that I love, you know, like do these amazing things and like with, with or without the goals, you know, just like anytime your friend does something incredible, like Josh, when you um, had that week last year where you got the house and you got the job and you sold the house all in about like 24 to 48 hours, just like, holy crap, this is Josh is like in it so thick right now. He is like in life. Life is happening to him and his family and it's incredible and i just compare that to um i don't know thinking of my past and like all the time i spent sort of doing nothing and being aimless and that one scene um i wasn't the biggest fan of the hobbit movie i think i need to give it a rewatch because i didn't rewatch it for this to uh, see if it'll redeem itself but that's my favorite scene. I again, I listen to that frequently. It's like way up high on the most listened to songs on my iPod list. Um, it's great, very moving. Love it. All right, there we go. It's good stuff. So it's okay, I guess. So which is better, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Ooh, well, <laughs> Lord of I would Rings. vote Star Wars. But, Harry uh, Potter. Okay. I'm still gonna go Star Wars. <clears throat> Not in a million years. Like, I... So, if if you had to, like... For pure entertainment, it, it depends, like... Uh, like, which angle you're going from it. Like, I would have... I, as strange as it, it would say, I would have to go Lord of the Rings. Like, I think just no, because... Yeah, because I, I think... I do know you want those. Because I think part of it is... Like, it has all that entertainment value. Like, it has all that great stuff that I love about Star Wars, like the action and the, the monsters and everything. But when I think about, like, scenes in the movies, like, and <clears throat> what they stir in me, like, the scenes, like, Theoden's speech, for example. Uh, James, I knew immediately as soon as we said The Hobbit, you're like, oh, I got to rework my number one. I'm like, I know exactly what James is going to go for, like... These are the lines that stir something that's way deeper than, like, oh, that was awesome when the Ranker Beast ate the the Grammarian Guard. You know what I mean? Like, picking on my own number one. Like, it's, I don't want to, like, crap on Star Wars or, like, enjoying it for that level. But for me, like, Lord of the Rings hits something deeper. Like, the, and the, like, and, and what it really hits onto is, like, the deeper truths, like, Sam and Frodo came up a lot. Why? Because everybody desires that relationship with somebody else. You know what I mean? Like whoever that, whomever that is, right. Or that speech that Sam gives at the end of two towers, like everybody desires to either a be that person for somebody else or to have someone talk you down off the ledge when you're looking around and you're just like, everything's fucked right now. I don't know what to do. And then someone's like, no, you can do this. And then, you know, what I was saying before, like Aragorn saying the same thing to Theoden, like, in another way, like, no, you got to get off the ropes and you got to fight. You're, you're not done yet. You may think you're done, but we're not done. We've still got enough people left to fight back, you know? So like, I love star Wars, but when I look at it, like 
the, this Lord of the Rings hits those deeper truths for me way more than any of the Star Wars movies do. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars. I don't want to take, you know, lose my card or anything, but, you know, I got to go Lord of the Rings. Yeah, to echo what you're saying, like, to me, it's it's really... Oh, go for it, man. The definition of, like, something that's a really great piece of art, and I don't use the word art hardly at all because I think it's usually pretentious, but is that it can affect you at different points in your life for different reasons. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what yeah. Holden Caulfield says. That's like he great. Goes, he goes to the museum and nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is him. That's exactly what I kept thinking of when I was rewatching. It's like, oh, now I'm really impacted by scenes with Sam and Frodo, whereas when I was in college, I just wanted to look cool and be a badass and love Legolas and, you know, whatever. And, it can be anything like Bill really kind of spoke to me when you were talking about your daughter. I, I, to be honest, I teared up. Like she, like you said, none of us probably noticed that line about where do I stand? Like, is this a good place to stand? But where she's at in her little point in her life, like that's perfect for her. (laughs) Stop talking. Yeah. (laughs) Stop talking. (laughs) And sure. There's stuff like that in star Wars, but in general, it's, it's, to me, and it shouldn't be in either or, but if you pose a question to me, like it, it's, it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, you're right. I mean, we've had the, I mean, I've had the convert and this is what, again, it's like just awesome. Cause I've had these conversations with them about, you know, movies and books and everything. And I'm like, what's, what's awesome is if you, if you look at movies and if you look at books You'll find a character, and if you like that character, there's something about that character that either reminds you of yourself or makes you think of that you want to be that way. And we've, you know, and talking about The Hobbit specifically, I mean, we had the conversation about Bilbo and and all that. So I, you know, and who, you know, his character and everything and what it's like and, uh, you know, and it's, yeah. So when she said that line, man, it hit me as like, what about that line spoke to her that out of that entire however long, like you know, Zacchaeus. three hour long movie? Huh? She's like Zacchaeus, right? Yeah. She's yeah. Put her where she can see. Like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So what I thought, Bill, was that, like, essentially she's being very brave and she doesn't know what to do when she shows up, but she's still willing to show up. Yeah. She's yeah. looking for guidance. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I had that conversation with, I don't, don't want to de- you know, derail it too much, but I had that conversation. I'm like, you guys are like Bilbo. You, you, you're quiet. You like your, your way to be, you don't want to be in the middle of it, but if you have to be in the middle of it, you will be. And I was just like, man, freaking a, I get to talk about this with my kids like that, you know, talk about cut through the crap and like, see what's good in front of you. Love it. That's a, one of those total like high fives to your younger self moments. Like you're doing good. You, you've done it. You're doing this, man. <laughs> Congratulations, Bill. You have daughters and they love Lord of the Rings and you're talking to them about it with <laughs> life lessons. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And then also teaching him not to be that punk ass kid at Helm's Deep. It doesn't know how to hold a sword. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
actually paused the scene when that happened. I'm like, girls, you see this kid? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, he's a little bitch. <laughs> I want you to remember that face. That's the face of a bitch. <laughs> if you see this kid, you be <laughs> And on that note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What is it? Josh, TTF. Three things we can count on in life. Oh. <laughs> Death, or I always, I always <laughs> like uh, death, taxes, and Randy, Randy Savage. Randy Savage. You're so tired. Thank you for staying up, Josh. No I love you. See you guys. Not See you guys. guys. See you guys. Welcome to the pool. This is the greatest show. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're on borrowed time. (laughs) 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 It's going to be hard not to do that. The great thing is, I was thinking I should say something here, so thank you, Joe.